You are listening to ACPN. Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Spinner Rack. This is our feature where we talk about comic books and comic book television, leaving the movies for, you know, the whole rest of the series because there's a bunch of comic book movies that we talk about all the time. I'm Russ Burlingame. I'm, in addition to being a host here, the senior staff writer at comicbook.com, and with me today is going to be Terry Moore. Terry is an indie comics icon. He created Strangers in Paradise 26 years ago and has gone on to write books like Echo, Rachel Rising, Motor Girl, and uh, then he, he brought many of the characters from all of his books together in Strangers in Paradise 25, which was a year-long miniseries that ran last year and ended last month that just, you know, brought back those characters to celebrate 25 years since its original publication. That book ended on a cliffhanger with five years left before the world potentially ends. And so Terry's next book is a crossover series featuring characters from all of his books, and it's called Five Years. Terry joined me to talk about five years and the creative process behind Strangers in Paradise 25. I hope that you enjoy it, and uh, I'll be back to talk movies very, very soon. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're just a couple issues from episode 100, so keep your ears open for that. Well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll jump right into the question mode, because, uh, uh the, like, the small talk I was going to make immediately was segueing into it, but, um, uh, when we talked... I guess two years ago now at Comic-Con, uh, and you had said, you know, because I, I said something along the lines of, are you going to make the big crossover for the 30th anniversary? So you, you didn't think it was going to wait that long. Uh, when SIP 25 happened and we started seeing uh, Rachel and Jet pretty early on, I assumed that you were just talking about that, but it seems like five years later is kind of the next evolution bigger. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh I wanted to blend it all, make it all one, one story. Mm-hmm. So, which is dangerous. I mean, you could. Uh, that's not a given recipe for success. I mean, you could mess it up. But I felt like I had, was conscious of it for a long time during the making of each book, mm-hmm. and I was kind of steering them that way so that they could. So I think I've set myself up to do this. With uh, well, I mean, it worked pretty well in, in Strangers. Uh, one question I did have about the end of Strangers is when Tambia asks uh, Kachu to be part of the task force, essentially, uh, Kachu says no because she says, you know, if you guys fail, I want to have spent time with my kids. Uh, was that really – was kind of taking Kachu off of the table in part just because it's hard for her not to suck up all the oxygen in the room, and it's hard to be a true team-up if you've got that character in the middle. Hmm. Um, I feel that way about some of the other characters, though, too. Tanby uh, mm-hmm. sucks up a lot of oxygen. and mm-hmm. um, So, and Zoe does. So, it's, uh, I've got people that can compete with her on the page, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I was thinking... Uh, 
it, it, it's almost, it just seemed like it, everybody always assumes she'll get into the middle of the fight. And even James Bond has said no several times. So mm-hmm. I think it's um, one of those things where you have to, given what she had just been through and mm-hmm. the question being posed, um, she would rather stay right where she is for the moment and then it's going to take something more uh, threatening, more immediately threatening to get her out. But also, Tammy's plan is her usual MO of search and destroy. Kachu thinks a diff- slightly different way. It doesn't mean that she's going to go home and ignore the problem. It means that she's she needs time to think and process and come up with her own approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one kind of obvious question uh, is: Is your plan to have this actually go for five years, or do you think that that's too long to be sustainable in the indie market and that you're going to compress time? Uh, I think that I, in my dreams, I wish it would go five years because that would be cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the real world, I'm not sure I can get it, you know, five months mm-hmm. uh, in the comic business. Uh, I can't take anything for granted. So I'm going like, to, all I know to do is to dive in and mm-hmm. to start telling the story and then hope that um, the the industry will continue to to be there for me to to continue to do this you know mm-hmm. i'm I'm a very fortunate person to be able to do make my own comics and so on uh and I use the comics industry to do that um so I don't take it for granted um I think it would be a mistake for me to say, oh, we've got this big five-year plan. Usually when people mm-hmm. talk about, you know, oh, we've got this big, huge multi-year plan and it's so really complicated, you know, they do three issues and stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that happen a lot. So I, I don't want to do that. I, I'm just going to dive in. It, the story is five years, not not the real world. So it's all fiction and um, it'd be swell if I could do five-year, four-year, three-year, two-year um, mm-hmm. Because that'd be fun, but um, I actually want to be more focused on the story and let the story do its own time frame. So uh, that's a long answer, just to say that uh, it's it's. I'm going to focus on the story and let, it's, the story has its own time frame. Mm-hmm. That's uh, why I just said that. It's you know it's funny because ever since Tanby showed up in Echo the the idea that these characters all exist in the same space has been real for like your kind of hardcore group of fans. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, every time you mix and match them, it tends to make news with the people who only remember strangers. <laughs> um, is is it a little strange to you, like talking about this book as though it's totally unheard of when really this has been there in the background the whole time? Um, I've been slowly trained to, uh, realize that this is how it is. Um, Mm -hmm. every day in my life, I meet somebody who's read none of them or one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just how it is. And, um, when I announced five years, I got a lot of tweets and Facebook messages back saying, do I need to read the other books to understand this one? 
And my mm-hmm. answer was no, no. Just if you want to read five years, go for it and, and um, enjoy it on the level it is. But just realize that if you want to know more about the characters, all of them have uh, backgrounds. You know, there's a mm-hmm. story behind all these characters, and you can go find that story if if you're interested, you know. So I think that's probably the healthiest way to approach it for me. Uh is it is it kind of helpful when you encounter new or lapsed readers to be able to kind of point to them and now and say, well, you know, if you don't want to drop, you know, seventy bucks on the 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 trades or whatever, then Strangers in Paradise is on Comicsology Unlimited now. Well, that, um, that's another world. Um, I don't get into that so much. I, I just focus on making the story. Um, the business stuff is really run by Robin. All I know is that. Um, Comicsology has been really good for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like having a, a second distributor. Um, mm-hmm. like, like when we all had multiple distributors, you know, it feels like that. It, it feels, a, I don't want to compare it directly, but it feels a little bit right. like we got a second distributor back in the business. So, um, you know, whatever. And I think they have their own group, you know, their group mm-hmm. uh, seems to, I, I know for a fact that I sell books to people that also read uh, digital. So mm-hmm. I hope that that's just the case in general for all retailers and uh, people who are selling books. Uh, but I know for a fact at my table that so many people come up and say, you know, I read what I wanted to online and now I'm here to get the book or you know, vice versa or whatever. So, Yeah. Hey, whatever works, you know. I just want everybody to read the story. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I you know, and one thing to admit here is that after I've been in it for a while, you know, twenty five years, it's kind of like being a musician where I don't, I almost don't care what format I'm in anymore because I've been in several formats. Mm-hmm. So whether you buy my stuff on an LP or an eight track tape or a cassette player or a CD or YouTube, I don't, you know, just listen to the band. Mm-hmm. You know, so just read my stories, whatever format you want. If we switch to skywriting, I hope that they'll read my skywriting story too. <laughs> uh, that's actually uh, uh, the, the the musical an, an analogy. Excuse me, gives me an opportunity to ask: uh, Are you still uh, in the background working on the Griffin Silver album that you talked about releasing as part of Twenty Five, or is that getting pushed off to 30 well it's too late for 25 um that's that ship has sailed uh we're into 26 now and mm-hmm. looking forward so um i don't yeah you know what we talked about here was remaking the the strangers in paradise treasury mm-hmm. uh, which really the first treasury that we made years ago it only went up to issue 60 and so it's only half complete. We're talking about mm-hmm. finishing that out, uh, when, um, and including Strangers of Paradise XXB in it, Sip Kids, everything. Mm-hmm. And then in that big new Treasury edition, uh, have a music CD in there. So yeah, I am still playing. I still record and, um, I'm very, 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 very shy about getting into any of that with anybody because I don't want you know, I don't want anything to mm-hmm. take away from the book. So, 
Um, but I, it would be fun to have a CD um, in one special little place mm-hmm. if somebody wanted to get that treasury. It's going to be a big monster coffee table type book. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if we're going to release it in 2020 or or not quite sure when we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's. I mean, it's, we've talked about this before, is that the reason you're not monthly is because you do – between you and Robin, basically everything for the book. And so it's not like you have a ton of downtime. Yeah, like zero downtime, yeah. Um, and you're right, yeah, we do it all. Um, so it is very time-consuming. Uh, just I'm amazed at it. Um, and then when I have to put together a collection, you know, like a SIP book, anything to do with the SIP was hard because there was so much of it, you know. So we would decide, oh, we need to put a black dot on every page. Well, that means I have to go through 2,400 pages and put a black dot on there. And then we'd send it off the printer, and he'd send me a new proof back, and then I had to proof 2,400 pages again just to make sure they didn't delete one. So everything is uh, time-consuming when you've been at it for so long. Um, there's just – it adds up. You know, so you, Strangers in Paradise is like a mountain now. Every time I want to do something with it, I have to push a mountain. <laughs> um and I'm probably making it worse by uh, putting them all together into one huge landmass now, one big story. Well, it's funny because when, again, going back to the Comic-Con when you announced 25, uh, somebody asked what's next, and I think you said either Rachel or Echo that you wanted to wrap up dangling plot threads. And, of course, both mm-hmm. of those characters are uh, – in this, is it safe to assume that the, the Echo characters are going to be much more of a kind of presence here than they were in the Strangers uh, relaunch? Um, I, I see them all as having their own. Um, to me, this is like the, uh, an Avengers story. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get, you know, when you watch, when you read the Avengers, um, you or watch the movie, you're getting all of their stories. So it's going to be that way for me that um, the characters from Echo are just as important as the characters from Rachel in mm-hmm. their attempts to uh, address the problem in the story. Um, so, yeah, each one of these character groups has my respect, and I want them to all get equal time. Um, but there will need to be a golden thread, otherwise it's a lot of miscellany. Um so there's several common denominators and golden threads that tie it all together. Um, a couple of them are characters, and, and some of it is just story continuity, um, things that tie it together and bring it uh, both in a good way and in a bad way. You know, in the land of in the world of physics, uh, some bonds that bind are uh, bad news. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really going to enjoy this. In in the spirit of that. Uh... Obviously, it's been 25 years of everything you write getting optioned and then nothing actually getting made. Um, <laughs> is it? Yeah, well, welcome to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> putting it all together, does that is that a thing that that concerns you at all? Like, do you even think about that? That like, oh, this might make it easier or harder to package this the next time around because now you've got all of these entanglements between the characters. Um, no, everything is taken now. Um, so there's no repackaging any of it or, you know, um, I have 
I've retained my ability to continue to make books, any book I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have my book, my freedom in my world. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like, is Echo spoken for? Yes. Rachel? Yes. Strangers? Yes. Rachel? Yes. Yeah. Um, SIP? Yes. So they're all taken and it's up to them. Um, mm-hmm. They're doing well. Uh, I'm hopefully, I have noticed, I'm sure you've noticed that when you see people get their, say thank you for their award, they always talk about somebody having faith in them for 16 years. You know, mm-hmm. that's how long it took to get it made. So unless you're, you know, inside the system um, and people can make whatever idea you came up with at lunch, but if you're an outsider like me, um, and trying to get things to develop. There's a process, a natural time. We have to find the right people, and um, they have to find the next correct circle of people and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's a very organic process. At first it seems impossible or just random, but after you've been doing it a while, you see that there is, you know, there's a there's a logic to it that does kind of, become it becomes something you can you can navigate you know mm-hmm. so i'm feeling i'm feeling pretty good about it my i know that something will happen something will get made mm-hmm. but now my what i tell people now is in my lifetime please please <laughs> don't take another 25 years <laughs> i'll be gone i would like to be able to watch one of these do you because uh, i know obviously you've written some of the screenplays for some of these uh does that kind of involvement uh like do you get more invested when they say hey can you do a pass on this or at this point has it been so many times that it's just kind of like i can do my best to to help you and then i'm out of the picture um i i have never minded re- reworking something because it always gets better uh, the mm-hmm. more i work on something the better it gets so um, I actually use that syndrome. Um, I rely on that syndrome and I use it in my working life. So mm-hmm. doing another pass out of script is not a problem for me. It never has been. And um, Where I um, would have a problem is if people want to incorporate something that doesn't fit. But that's mm-hmm. never come up. I've never been in that situation. Um, the people that I work with uh, <clears throat> like the story. And they like the characters. Um, so they're just wanting as much story as possible out of it. And what's wrong with that, you know? Um, so I tend to come in with pretty fully developed characters. So they know mm-hmm. what they're getting when they get it. Um, it's not like I have just, you know, one-page bio on a character. Um, and then they, they want to make up the rest, and it's all a surprise to me. So that just doesn't ever happen. Um, and I'm also, here's another cooperative thing that's really helped. I'm also a huge believer in group dynamics in terms of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you get four people and they individually, they're okay, they're good, but you put them together and now you have this fantastic group, a band, you know, again, a music metaphor. So, or, or because of your choice of adjectives, a fantastic four, you might say. Yeah, you get a fantastic four, and they together they make something that is 
better than the individual. So mm-hmm. I look to work for work with people like that. I look for people that are fantastic storytellers, people that are better than me, and I hope to hook up with them and um, and let them do their thing and let them do their magic. You know, like Angela Robinson is the director on Strangers in Paradise. Well, Angela's brilliant, and she loves story, and she loves strangers. So when she comes and has a, a new scene that I've never thought of, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. You know, I need mm-hmm. somebody to come in and, and take it in a direction that I didn't think of. It's kind of like a, a lot of a lot of times when you see two people team up and do something great, there's a there's a positive negative aspect to it. One is good cop, one's bad cop, and mm-hmm. you know, too much of one is is doesn't wear well. But when you put them together, you get the right mix. So you know. I understand that dynamic. I don't want to win every argument. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a creative person and you win every argument, something's wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got to you've got to focus on the project, you know, in the book, and let the book grow and the characters grow and do things that surprise you. I think we watch. The only reason we watch movies is waiting for the a moment that will surprise us. If it's something we've seen a lot, you just kind of like go into half mode, half sleep mode and wait for something new to come along. And that's what a good writing partner can do for you is, hey, something new. Is it also kind of helpful for you because, I mean, you're not doing Batman. You're doing, uh, you're doing books where basically the people who are aware they exist understand what you're doing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that's something that's been kind of helpful for you as you build partnerships? Um, yeah, I think so because it cuts out a middleman. I'm not representing a brand. Um, mm-hmm. Saying Batman, you might as well say Mickey Mouse. Well, yeah. you know, Mickey Mouse sells himself, and the rules are established before you even walk into the conversation about it. Um so, but when it comes to my stuff, um, you know, they they if they talk to me, they're talking to the source of where. Mm. I guess it would be the same as when they people talk to uh, Charles Schultz. If you want to get at the Peanuts character, you have to go through him because he's the fountain that it, all that flows from. You know, so it cuts out a middleman. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. And he can think on his feet and answer, take a left turn if somebody wants to suggest that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it, there's uh, the meetings go faster. I think the meetings go Heading. faster. Heading back to the comic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, he- heading back to the comic, uh, did you know going into uh, SIP 25 what – kind of the structure of this whole kind of larger story was going to be or was that a discovery along the way? Well, um, I always have a, a, a general framework in my head when I start. Um, I've described it as like a road trip where I know what my destination is and the main things I want to get done along the way. And then uh, every day I work, I, I look for those individual moments of that flesh out the scene, you know. Um, so it's it's 
it's like that for me. It's like what I my idea of the story is like a homework assignment. Here's an outline. Um, now go make it real. Uh, mm-hmm. Flesh it out. So that's what I do in the daily process is flesh out the general ideas. But I always have to have like when I start an issue, I have say maybe four major scenes in mind, and I have I know what the mood is and how it's impacting the people. Um, Sometimes if the conversation is tricky, I'll write out the dialogue, um, things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if I only have four pages, but I have a nine-page idea and I have to fit it into four pages, um, you know, I'll sit down and work that out in final draft or something, you know. Um, so I actually do a little bit of everything, whatever works. I've got boxes and boxes of pencils and pens and art tools, mm-hmm. and I just use whatever I need. Uh, it's the same way with the writing and the creativity. I just, I have final draft. I have, you know, my prose programs. I have my computer, my laptop. I have paper and pencil. And sometimes I just stare at the ceiling. Um, you know, whatever moves it all forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, and I don't know if this is necessarily a, a device or if it just kind of read that way because of my attachment to these characters. So bear with me. Uh, but one of the devices that I liked a lot in uh, Strange in Paradise 25 was every time there was the page turn that revealed, oh, we're going to Manson, or oh, we're like introducing this new element from the Terryverse. Uh, obviously, starting five years, the premise is that they're all together, so we don't have kind of that moment of surprise quite as much. Uh, is that a whole different kind of dynamic as you're trying to break story for putting these people together and needing to come up with that moment? Well, for me, the moment comes from the characters, um, not the location. So I think the um, one of the I, I touched upon something that was really fun in that for me it wasn't necessarily switching from New Mexico to Massachusetts, it was more about um, watching what happens when Kachu is in the same space with Chet and they're mm-hmm. talking about Lilith. Kachu meeting Lilith was a big, fun scene for me. Um, mm-hmm. Tambi having lunch with um, Zoe and Rachel and, and Tambi seeing Zoe and kind of getting her impression off of Zoe for the first time. Mm-hmm. To me, that was, you know, I I feel like I worked a long time to earn the, the ability to get that that moment, you know. I had went to all this trouble to describe Tambi and how she is, and then all this trouble to describe Zoe and how she is, just so I could, you know, have them meet at breakfast or whatever. <laughs> so there's a different kind of payoff there. I mean, there's there's this satisfaction of making these individual characters and their stories and then bringing them together and watch the new dynamic happen uh man that's that's there's nothing funner than that this must have been what it was like for stan stan and jack with whenever they wanted to bring you know two people together for a blockbuster story you know um so yeah it's a lot of fun it, um, and especially if you have a reason, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like you're just saying, oh, they're going to accidentally 
cross paths in one issue. Mm-hmm. No, this is you know this is a whole different thing. Actually, it's funny. One of my favorite panels, and I think it's it's it's, it's comics. It's a combination of uh, of the the story and the uh, and the the kind of acting that you had her doing. But I think one of my favorite panels of 25 was in the finale when uh, Libby mentioned, or when when one of the kids mentions Tammy. And uh, Sam realizes, like, what? Wait, this is Tammy Baker's family? And, like, the mm-hmm. – because of, like, what we know about both of those two characters, uh, the way that that – just the, the face that she had in that panel, it's like you could feel the weight of all of the stuff that just hit her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's – see, that's the – that's so cool because you know – all the available, everything there is to know that's available to us about Tambi. You mm-hmm. know so much about her. Um, so you get the, you get the gravitas of that uh, moment, you know, you, you get mm-hmm. it. Uh, and hopefully a new reader will read that and think, oh, okay, so Tambi is somebody that they know. Um, maybe I'll see her again. Yeah. And then later on, when they read all that, they'll, They'll hopefully get the same feeling, but they'll have to go through, you know, a different process to understand. Oh wow, this this thing is that that's a long road. <laughs> that that well is deep. So I don't, you know, whether whether you read it all first and then you get it, or you see this stuff and then go back and fill in the gaps, um, whatever works. And so it's a really long road too, because I honestly. Uh, Every time I reread Strangers, uh, I'm always surprised by how early Tambi comes in. For some reason, I always think, like, oh, she's, like, pocketbook number two because that's once the the crime stuff starts really. But, no, it's like she was the first representative of the crime stuff for all intents and purposes, and and she's there so early uh, that uh, Mm -hmm. we we literally started learning about her, uh, you know, basically as soon as this became an ongoing series. (laughs) Yeah, I, th- I see her as a major uh, person in Kachu's life. Mm-hmm. So she has a continued major presence in the life of Kachu and Francine's family. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. That's why the, the little girls know her so well, because she's around a lot. Yeah. Is it tough for you, because obviously you, you left Kachu and Francine on the shelf with that door closed for a long time. Uh is it tough for you as somebody who's emotionally invested in these characters to kind of revisit some of these things and not necessarily break, but kind of tamper with the happy endings uh, and and kind of re-put some of these people in danger who it seemed like were maybe okay? Um, no, because that's not life. You know, mm-hmm. you don't get to you don't get to have. Ha- you don't get to have a happy day at the age of 32, and then the rest of your life is a is a breeze. <laughs> it's just not how it works. You know, like at the end of um, when the girl finally becomes queen and marries the king, and then it's a big celebration. You know, the next day, the Viscos could have attacked, you know. Mm-hmm. You, all you get is that moment. Um, so I think it, for me, I had the opposite feeling that it was wonderful to be able to go back and see the uh, a little bit of the life that they were having in Santa Fe with the girls, little girls in preschool, and um, 
you know, having a house and SUV and running around and having the young family life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Uh, that's what you kind of hope for. And then, but, you know, we've established that, you know, Kachu lives in a dangerous world. So mm-hmm. this stuff happens and she has to go out there. And that's really kind of uh, a different kind of heroism when um, the hero who doesn't look for trouble, but it keeps, mm-hmm. you know, comes back and finds them. And who's going to get up from their comfortable position? and go do something about it. Well, that's Kachu and Tammy, and mm-hmm. apparently these other some of these other characters too. So, yeah, I didn't feel guilty about it at all. Um, if you have a good day, congratulations. You had a good day. No promises for tomorrow. Is it a little bit different writing? Because obviously uh, you, certain bits of Rachel kind of notwithstanding, but in, in general – your writing is not bleak. Like most of the time, uh, there's a working assumption that most of the characters are going to make it out all right. Um, And so is is it when, when you have kind of an audience that has that expectation, is it hard to kind of write around that expectation and make sure that you're surprising them? Um, yeah, because I could always, you know, pull the rug out. Um, I think one of the reasons you're picking up on the not, not bleak is mm-hmm. I've noticed a difference in my approach versus some other writers' approaches, whether it's in comics or in TV. Mm-hmm. Um, some things are bleak because, and you wonder why. And well, my take from it is, is because of the writer that he, the writer actually doesn't believe in anything. Um, mm-hmm. The characters have no hope because the writer has no hope. Um, so there is no solution. They present these beautiful uh, problems, uh, but there really is no answer. They're just going to run around until they're all dead. Um, <laughs> so I don't work that way. I don't really believe that. So. My characters always have hope, and they're working towards a solution, not just survival, but solutions. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big difference in the story. I'm, I'm bringing, I'm probably carrying my um, semi-dated hippieism towards all that. <laughs> you know, having faith and believing that you know life can be beautiful, and you know, it's isn't it a great, you know, that isn't that great. And then that trumps mm-hmm. everything, all the little problems that we stir up as creatures. So um, there's an undercurrent of that idealism underneath all that, I guess. Um, but And not everybody has that now. So uh, I don't know. So we were talking about Tambi and her presence in Kachu's life. Had, had this not been the next book... Um, the other, ob- like looking at the end of Strangers, the other obvious thing that I that I thought is like, well, you could you could literally do a Tambi book. Uh, uh, is it is it kind of gratifying to have a supporting character who kind of looms large enough that it, you could more or less center a few years worth of stories around her, and you wouldn't have to do much in the way of building her up to to explain anything. Yeah, it's it's great. It's very rewarding. I had that with Tambi and Zoe and uh, Julie and um, mm-hmm. Rachel, of course, Lilith. 
So I have that in spades, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Any of these main characters could could support a story of their own. Um, and in my head, you know, I see that story. Um, mm-hmm. So I try to bring that. When I do get to use these characters, I try to inject as much of that as possible so that people can understand these characters uh, have depth and um, – but they're, they're doing something when the camera's not on. Pieces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I really don't like useless characters that mm-hmm. I just need somebody to walk in and say something. Um, I don't do that. So um, even that guy, the closest I have to that is um, Video Pat. He's oh, the yeah. little dumpy guy with the mustache. and Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he kept appearing at, at different jobs around town during the first Strangers in Paradise series, and he's a yeah. creepy little guy. Uh, but he's, he was my comedy relief, and he just kind of became a running gag. Oh, there he is. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he became like a member of a comedy skit team, you know, like, oh, yeah. he is in a, with a different costume. Um, and I really enjoyed putting him in to work at the rental agency at the airport in Boston in uh, Strangers in Paradise 25. Mm-hmm. Um He's the one, you know, renting the car out to the cachou and everything. So yeah. but even Videopad has a life to me. Um, you know, I, I can picture his apartment and all that kind of stuff and uh, when I'm drawing him and, you know, why he says what he says, you know, uh, why he's the umpteenth million person to say uh, in Boston to say, hey, I know a place with good chowder. You know, <laughs> all that kind of embarrassing stuff, you know, so mm-hmm. – um, He's, he's the closest I have to using somebody to just get messages across, but um, even he has a reoccurring role, so kind of like a Seinfeld character. Okay, I'll ask you one last thing because uh, I'll, I have taken a lot of your time, but uh, I missed completely the – and I, I do this honestly kind of on purpose with, with a lot of your stuff. I missed the solicitations for the end of the book, mm. and so I didn't know yeah, what that cover was going to be until I opened the envelope. <laughs> um, mm. And so uh, going in, did you know, like, okay, well, the last, the last cover of 25 has to be uh, another version of this kind of recurring visual motif that you've had since the beginning? Again, it's just one of those things that I feel like I worked hard to get the right to do that. You know, it mm-hmm. takes a long time to set that up, to have one at the beginning, in the middle, and the end. Um, it was just a sheer joy to do that it meant a lot to me and i'm glad you noticed so and i'm really uh yeah. I, I particularly liked the fact that david got incorporated into the uh oh yeah the final uh well that's again we've, ta- you know, we've talked about like that that's a character who i i really like and it's easy sometimes uh to kind of give him less notice because he isn't francine francine kachu <laughs> Well, his presence will always be there because he's, mm-hmm. you know, the father of Kachu's girl. So, mm-hmm. um, so she keeps his presence uh, known, uh, you know, for her daughter's sake. Thanks again to Terry for joining us. You can find his comics at abstractstudiocomics.com. You can find Terry on social media at Terry Moore Art on, I believe, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, strangesinparadise.com takes you to the general Terry Moore Abstract Studios page, which also has a store and some things like that. You can follow the show at ECV underscore podcast on Twitter, 
And you can follow me at Russ Burlingame, R-U-S-S-B-U-R-L-I-N-G-A-M-E. That's really long, and I'm not going to repeat it. So your job is to come back here in five days. And always remember to rewind your cassettes. A-C-E-N.